welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm here in Southern California in studio <laughs> headquarters with Terry Barber. Yep. And uh, Terry, last night I was at St. Paul the Apostle. Oh, packed church, I heard, man. It was packed. It was, I'd say at least at least 500 people were there, and that's good. I'm, I'm lowballing it. Um, it was uh, it was good to see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time. And I just did what I try to do uh, every time I go into a parish: power preaching with devil destroying <laughs> theology. I talked about the amazing sacrament, which is the Holy Eucharist. The medicine of immortality, the antidote against sin, holy viaticum, awesome. food for the soul. Uh, and I shared some stories, I think some life-changing stories that people will never... I had, I had several guys come up to me and they said, um, I'm in. Uh, sign me up, coach. Yeah, good. After, I didn't know these things about the Holy Eucharist that you said, miracle to the Eucharist. Yes. Uh, that you're talking about. Uh, a, a lot of just uh, facts I gave about life-changing experiences of the Eucharist. You know, uh, many saints in times past, uh, the way they've had, they've experienced these Eucharistic miracles starting from the 7th century San Lanciano. And uh, a good time was had by all, Terry. People well, I'm glad fast. you did. And where are you going to be tonight, Jess, for those <laughs> in Southern California? St. Therese in Alhambra. I'll be there tonight. I'm going to be talking tonight on uh, the dangers of pornography, yeah. uh, the dangers of atheistic thought, mm. and the ath- and the dangers of marijuana. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give three talks in 90 minutes at St. Therese tonight, Terry. Well, good. Well, today we're going to be talking about the new Mayan rite of the Mass that supposedly will be approved May 5th. It's going to be a fake Mass, Terry. Yeah, of course. But we're going to expose it by just telling the truth. And Jesse, another, I think it's a uh, what I call a need-to-know file. Yeah. Uh, this is something I just found out today, because I always research these things in the morning. Right. Prosecutor dropped investigation to Cardinal Ratzinger's handling of sex abuses in the Archdiocese of Munich. They, they find no no they're, problem. They were trying to smear him. Exactly. Because, because they're trying to dismiss his 50 years of, of yep. writings, yep. especially the latter 30 with That's their right. pure Orthodox writings. Yeah. They just wanted to destroy his reputation, but uh, I'm glad that justice prevailed. Absolutely. Another good one, Jess. Thousands gather at the Illinois March for Life uh, amid the democratic intimidation of pregnancy centers. And Thomas, uh, Bishop Thomas Paraki, who is a, a great bishop of Springfield, Illinois, called on the Illinois politicians, hey, find compassion for the lives of the most vulnerable citizens among us, that the sacred human lives of unborn babies. So I say thank you, Bishop, for standing up for life. <coughs> Terry, we're seeing the, the prophecies of Akita Japan oh, yeah. come to life right before our very eyes. Oh, yeah. Our Lady of Akita Japan in 1973 told us that we would enter such a time when you would have bishops versus bishops, cardinals versus cardinals. Yep. We've seen it right now. Yep. And uh, but, but the fact is, we know that we as Catholics have, the lay people have what's called the census fidelity. Yep, sense of the faithful. And what, yeah, what that means yep. is that if you live in a state of sanctifying grace because of the sacraments and your prayer life and your interior life, God will always lead you to the truth. In other words, if you're there in an audience and you hear somebody like Father James Martin yeah. say that homosexuals should be kissing at mass oh, and holding hands, this, your, your senses fidelium is going to kick in and you're going to say, no, that's irreverent. Uh, that's, that's a sinful action. And that's something that people must repent of. So again, thanks be to God who is good and merciful, who gives us that, it's that grace, that extra grace called the sense of the faith, where we can detect when we are hearing error, Terry. Well said, Jesse. One more thing that just shows the uh, 
fight that's going on. USA Today, a, mag a newspaper, has added yet another man to its Women of the Year list. Do you see how confused the world is? That's why, Jesse, I, I, made, I mentioned, wait till you hear what Bishop Sheen says about truth, objective truth. We need to know that you don't have your truth and I don't have my truth. We have what we call a biblical worldview of truth that the Bible and the church has taught for 2,000 years, and that's a lot different than the world idea of truth. I remember St. John Paul II, he, he, was, he used to say, yeah. you can't take a democratic vote on the truth. Exactly. It's not, it's not a for vote. No, and that's what they're doing in Germany and other parts. Yeah, and, and, and this is the battle that we're fighting in American culture and in the Catholic Church. The battle for truth there is a wholesale denial of truth. Yep. In, in, in our country, they deny natural law. And in our church, well, you have prelates that, that deny divine law. Yep. So both the culture and in the church, you have these modernist infiltrators. Both of them deny truth, one on a natural law level, yep. the other one's on a supernatural level. Well said. Well, Jesse, uh, today's show, as we were going to say, we got the whole show on this new Mayan rite of the Mass, encouraged by the Holy Father. Uh, and, you know, um, we're just going to show you what it is and show you how the principle that the Church says the way you worship is the way you believe and how dangerous this really is. And, Jesse, one more good news, uh, not, you know, need-to-know file, and then we'll get into the Gospel and Sheen and much more. Uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, he came out swinging. He said this in a, in a Q&A on, on a podcast. He said, complying with the Latin mass restrictions is false obedience. I believe, Jesse, St. Thomas Aquinas said that an unjust law is not a law at all. So he's encouraging priests who are devoted to the traditional mass to continue offering the ancient liturgy even in secret. And I think that principle that says what was holy yesterday is holy today. That's the principle I see. Yep, and uh, nothing changes. How can... Something that comes from God, yeah. all of a sudden today be something profane. No, it doesn't make sense. Jess, you were you and Anita and my wife, we were at Holy Mass, which was not really common with my grandson today. Uh, at Here at the chapel, we had Father William Wagner and, and the Father Superior, the Opus Angelorum here, uh, celebrating a Mass today. And uh, that gospel, I'd like you to uh, uh, read that because it's uh, because I think we have some, I mean, it's a longer gospel than normal. But, man, there's some interesting things for us all to get out of. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen, brother. By the way, St. Terribius of Magrovavejo, pray yep. for us. <clears throat> Jesus said to the Jews, <clears throat> If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is appealing here to the Old Testament mandate that truth is supposed to be verified by the, by the witness of two or three people. So he's saying right now, it's very Jewish what he's saying. He's saying, if I say that I'm that you know that I'm speaking the truth, that that that's that's not you know that doesn't conform with Old Testament scripture. It has to be validated by two or more people. So he's talking about God the Father validates him. That's the second person that validates him. He said, goes on to say. You sent emissaries to John, this is John the Baptist, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp. This is John the Baptist, his cousin. 
and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than John, John the Baptist. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I performed testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who has sent me has testified on my behalf. So two things Jesus says to our Lord. He says that his miracles demonstrate the veracity of his statement. His miracles confirm his message. Second thing he says is that the first person of the Holy Trinity testifies on his behalf. And what greater witness is there in the universe? There is no greater witness no. in the universe than the first person of the Trinity. Well said. He goes on to say, but you, have, but, you have, but you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. He just... He just called out all his Jewish brothers. Yep. He's saying, you guys haven't seen Yahweh. You guys have never even seen his form. Yeah. You guys don't know who he is. You've never heard him. Yeah. In other words, he's he's implying that I've seen him, I've heard him, and I know him. And you Jews, you don't know him. Yep. That's what he just said. Yeah. He goes, he's ta talking to the Jews here. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf. But you do not want to come to me to have life. That's eternal life. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, you got your nose in the Bible, but the whole Old Testament talks about me, the Messiah, and still you can't see that. You're blind to that. Our Lord says, I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you, have, you would have believed me because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words, the gospel of the Lord? Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When we come back from the break, we're going to get Fulton Sheen and we're going to also, it continue. Uh, this reading is powerful. That was good commentary, Jesse. And then we'll get into this new Mayan rite of the Mass encouraged by Pope Francis. And I want to also remind people the Spiritual Warfare Conference starts Saturday and Sunday. I know there's no more tickets, but I want to give a plug to say, hey, you're not going to miss a word. You can down. You can actually stream live the show the actual uh, conference on Saturday morning. If you go to our website, vmpr.org, register as a viewer. Not only do you get to stream it, it's yours. Pass it on to your friends at the parish. Show these videos from the Spiritual Warfare Conference to your local Bible study at your local rosary group. This is how we get the message out. When we come back, we'll have Fulton Sheen in a minute to talk about what is truth and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. And I would like to say, yes, we are too blessed to be stressed. We are too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We're back, Jess. Hit it, buddy. Here Jesse Show. Yep. Who blessed to be stressed, who anointed to be disappointed. Yeah. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. <laughs> Last comment I want to make on today's gospel reading, yeah. which is in um, 
the Gospel of John chapter 5, verses 31 to 47, where our Lord says, I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. You know when that's going to happen? Tell me. People are going to accept the Antichrist, and they're going to think that he's Jesus. Yeah. And and this is this is something, this is why we have to live in a state of grace, have a strong prayer life, because many people, the Bible says, even the elect will be fooled when the Antichrist comes upon the earth and he starts saying, I'm Jesus Christ, I'm Jesus Christ. Many are going to accept him as Jesus. And we know he's going to be a false Jesus. He's called Antichrist. The last thing is, our Lord says, do not think I will accuse you, talking to the Jews, before the Father, the one who the one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. Moses wrote clearly about Jesus Christ in Deuteronomy chapter 18. It's worth reading that chapter. And the fact is, the Jews have read Deuteronomy chapter 18 many, many times, and they still overlook the obvious that the, per, the prophet that would come in the line of Moses that Moses was referring to was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And again, many Jews today, they remain hardened of heart and blind intellectually, Terry. Well, Jess, that brings in, I can hear one of our listeners going, well, wait a minute, isn't it true the Bible says that you know the Jews need to be preached to? And I, I just see an article about Israel considering legislation to imprison those who share the faith in Jesus Christ and Israel, which is going to be bad for that to happen. But here's my point. Have the Jews been preached to? I don't think so, Jess. Not to the extent they need to be preached to, but one of the things that we do know from Romans chapter 7, 8, and yeah. 9, mm -hmm. St. Paul talks about yeah. that before the second coming of Christ, before Judgment Day, right. a large number of Jews will convert, will, will convert to yeah. Christianity, to, to Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Full Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. And they're going to talk about truth, what we were just talking about. It's not a, you know, truth isn't something you vote on. And this is what Bishop Sheen said. Truth is not something we invent. Did you hear that, Father Martin? Mm. Did you hear that, mm. uh, the, uh, the uh, left? Yeah. If we do, it's a lie. Well, why don't you really tell me what you think? He said, rather, truth is something we discover like love. And what, how do we dis discover truth? His name is Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. He is the way, the truth, and life. No other way, Jesse. Anybody who gets saved uh, in, in the sense of getting to heaven even if they're outside the visible church, they're saved through Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. That's the teaching of the church. So I just, I just want Bishop Sheen's comment about truth. It's so clear that, that truth isn't something we vote on, as St. John Paul II said. But I don't hear enough of that today about, well, let's follow the truth. I keep hearing things like, how do you feel, Jesse? No, I don't care how you feel. I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is, what is the truth about the matter of life, and how do I get to heaven? And all these other things, you know, the, the uh, recycling. Yeah, I got a bottle here. I'll recycle it, okay? But you know what? I want my church to teach me more about salvation rather than preserving planet Earth, okay? There you go on my church comments. Your thoughts, Jess? Terry, here's, uh, <clears throat> again, you're spot on, uh, which uh, I think brings us to the next topic about the new Mayan rite of the Mass encouraged by Pope Francis is replete with pagan idolatry, yep, and really is it's a pagan rite. Of course it is. Demo we'll demonstrate that right now. Absolutely, a well-written article by LifeSite News. God bless them for doing a deep dive on this topic. Let me just tell you who the Mayans are, so yeah. people. Yeah, we need to understand that. That's okay. a good point. So the Mayans, they're an indigenous, uh, an indigenous Indian people, 
in Mesoamerica. Mesoamerica is inhabits Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, El Salvador, and Honduras. That's called Mesoamerica. Mm. Uh, and so the Mayan civilization were pagan indigenous Indians that inhabited this area uh, centuries ago. Now they've all basically they've been wiped out, but the descendants of them are Mexicans, Guatemalans, Belize, El Salvador, and Honduras. Can I just jump in and say, is there a connection, Jesse? And I brought this up off the air about Our Lady of Guadalupe back 500 years ago and um, the condemning of false humanistic religions. Our Lady said, no, this is not right. And I'm making a connection that uh, this is the same thing happening 500 years later. Am I onto something? Yes, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, she came to, st- Our Lady, uh, under, the, under the name of Our Lady Guadalupe, yep. she came to stamp out paganism from Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Mexico proper, it was inhabited by these very powerful indigenous Indian groups mm-hmm. called the Aztecs. Yep. And what, what Our Lady did is there were several things that demonstrated that she came to eradicate the pagan worship. Number one. The she, true worship. Yeah, the true worship. First of all, she asked for a temple to be built right on the spot where she appeared, yeah. which, is, which is a hilltop in, in, in Mexico City called yep. Tepeyac. Yep. And she said that she that's, her son is the one true God, and she wanted a temple built right there on the hill. Now, on that hill, that's where the Aztecs used to worship the earth goddess. The earth goddess was called Tonantú. And so Our Lady, by saying, I want this this temple built here in this hill, yeah. it was basically on top of the place that was that was sacred to this earth goddess of the Aztecs. Also, Our Lady, when she appeared to St. Juan Diego and in the Tilma, which we've had for almost 500 years now, yep. she was standing on a, on a burnt out crescent moon. That burned out crescent moon was another false god called Quetzalcoatl, and she was she was smashing it with her feet, just like she does to Satan in Genesis three fifteen. Yep. Because that's what Quetzalcoatl is. It's basically an agent of Satan. It's one of the demons from hell. Yep. And uh, and so that picture depicts that she came to crush this false god that the Aztecs had been worshiping and performing human sacrifice to in the pyramids. So everything about today's article with the Mayan rite, Our Lady Guadalupe came 500 years ago to stamp this out, and now, Terry, it's rearing its ugly head. Awesome. So let's get into this article now that you set the stage, because I think we're on Our Lady's side here, Jesse, because we need, you know, the way you worship is the way you believe, and this is why we're really bringing this up, because uh, what is going to happen here is people don't know it, they're innocent in the sense that they're just going to these masses and they're not really worshiping the true God. And that's, I mean, that's an accusation. But when we get into this, you'll see why I think I'm right. Let's get yeah, into it. When you look at this article, you can look at many photographs and images oh, and yeah. statements yeah. from the Mexican Diocese of San Cristobal de las Casas, yeah. clearly showing instances of pagan idolatry yep. and other heretical practice, which, which is are being adopted and which is meant to be this new Catholic mass. Uh, you can see pictures of priests and bishops worshiping in front of this Mayan altar mm. in the Diocese of San Cristobal de las Casas in the seminary. Yeah. So at the beginning of March, news came out of Mexico that a group of Mexican bishops had met in the Diocese of San Cristobal with Bishop Garcia Macias, yep. the undersecretary 
of the Vatican's dicastery for divine worship and discipline of the sacraments yep. in order to work on a new indigenous rite of mass inspired by Mayan traditions. My comment, you got the wolves guarding the hen house. The Mexican bishops had met with Pope Francis in February during their ad limina visit and, and, uh, in Rome, and they, and they announced that, that they wished to send a proposal of such a new rite in May to Rome for approval. Yep. Such a Mayan rite, I guess it would be another Western rite, yeah. has already been practiced in the Diocese of San Cristobal for years. And it's been approved by the Mexican Bishops Conference. They're just this is the spirit of Vatican II at work. Yeah. They just promote heresy and modernism and error, and they just stamp it with their approval because they just they just do it, ask nobody's permission. Right. Catholics keep leaving the church and in, in, in by the by the truckloads, and they don't care. Uh, they're they're going to promote this false ecumenism come hell or high water. Yeah, and Jesse, at the center of this new Mayan rite in Mexico are several elements that were already on the reform agenda, listen to this, of the 2019 Amazon Senate, namely a strengthening role of women in the liturgy, basically a step towards female deaconesses, yep. a prominent role of married indigenous deacons, a step towards married priests, yep. and a form of liturgical enculturation that is a clear sign of adultery. Idolatry. Adultery. Okay, as we are all were able to see in the worship of the Pachamama idols at the time of the Amazon Senate in Rome. We don't want more of that. Continue, Jeff. Yeah, uh, Father uh, Mitch Pacwa said, he oh, goes, yeah, that's right. don't tell me that they didn't worship the Papa Pachamama idol in Rome. Don't tell me they didn't do that. My, my eyes didn't lie to me. Exactly don't what tell I saw. Me my eyes lie. I know what I saw. Yep. Father Mitch Pacwa, he said it, and, and Cardinal Raymond Burke also said that that was an act of idolatry, and that opened the diabolical uh, to to Rome. The, the article says, now it is another form of paganism that's being promoted by Rome. Yeah, the ancient Mayan religion is permeated by polytheism, the worship of multiple many gods, gods yeah. earth, sun, you moon, animals. They're all regarded as being gods. Yep. It's also the Mayan religion is also uh, per permeated by animism. Animism is the belief that objects and creatures have a soul. Yep. <laughs> that cup has a soul. That bicycle has a soul. That rock has a soul. So by the belief in communication with one's ancestors and even worshiping ancestors and by human sacrifice to include women and children as part of its worship, as we shall show, many of these idolatrous elements will be included in this new rite of mass. Terry, That's to me, horrible. this looks like a throwback to the worship of the Aztecs and the Mayans 500 years ago. Yeah, and you know what? It was bad then, and it's bad today. And, and that's why we have to speak out. Uh, Jesse, tell us about the Cardinal. He was the former bishop of that particular Mexican diocese. Yep. Uh, tell us about him. Cardinal Arismendi Esquivel yep. uh, from uh, the San Cristobal de las Casas in, in the southern Chiapas region. Yeah. He's a leading force. He's the guy. Of these adaptations, this enculture, this enculturation of the Roman rite, and has made it clear in multiple interviews and statements that Pope Francis has encouraged this work early on in his pontificate. Yes. Now, that... here's what's funny: the Latin rite got to be thrown out, right? Get rid of the Latin mass. I know. Well, let's bring in the Mayan rite to 
to uh, replace the mask that that goes back one thousand six hundred. Is this years. microphone on? You know, really, Jesse, that's that's pretty much what the equation is. I mean, are we nuts, Terry? We're we're back to the time of the Arian heresy, yeah. where yeah. the majority of the bishops yep. were bad. Personally, they were bad. Yep. And doctrinally, they were bad. Right. So going back to this troublemaker, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. The Pray for his conversion because he's 81 years old, the dude. The surgical troublemaker, Cardinal Arismendi, is also closely affiliated oh, yeah. with the 81-year-old liberation theologian, Father Pablo, Father Paulo Suess, yep. who is the architect of the infamous Amazonian Synod. Oh, gosh. Despite the current friendliness with Pope Francis, the San Cristobal Diocese had been for decades a source of concern in Rome due to its syncretism. And what is syncretism again? One religion is as good as another. another. Yeah, and trying to put two religions yeah, together. Yeah, you can't like do that. Oil yes. and water and say, yeah, hey, we let's start something new here. Hey, we'll be right back. You're, you're, you're looking at the spirit of Vatican II at work. Yeah. And this is something that we're going to continue speaking out against every single day. And the reason is just because we want the truth. We don't want error. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Hit it, Jess. We're we back, brother. We are back. We're talking about this Mayan rite that they want to introduce into the West, yep. into the into the Latin rite, or, or into the West, Western part of the church. You've got East and West. We've got two rites, the Ordinary Rite, the Novus Ordo Missae, and you have the Extraordinary Rite, the Latin Mass. Now they want to introduce a Mayan rite into the West. This is modernism. This is, this is a, a f- false enculturation. This is the spirit of Vatican II gone mad, Terry. Mm, crazy. Bishop Samuel Reese Garcia, who led his diocese from 1960 until the year 2000. Long time. He was the major force behind these new concepts and actions. So they've been working at this a long time, Terry. Yep. He's still being held in high esteem, even though he already died. B- uh, Bishop, now Cardinal Arismendi. Here's the, here's the current troublemaker right here. When taking over this diocese, continued this leftist agenda, which caused much concern in Rome. For a good reason. In the year 2000, the Vatican intervened and insisted that during the ordination of permanent deacons, the bishop does not lay hands also on the head of the wife of the deacon. Can you imagine? Which has which has been the local practice. So they've been doing this. Yes. Because it, it looks like if you're ordaining the wife... The couple. Be a, yes, exactly. There were other numerous liturgical abuses taking place. The suggestion to suspend these ordinations altogether was ignored by Cardinal Arismendi at the time. See, Terry, this is what dissenters and They just keep going at it, don't they? Here's what happens. They get corrected by a good pope or a good cardinal yeah. from, from the CDF, and they just say, get lost. Yeah, we don't listen to you. But on the other hand, Orthodox Catholics, uh, whenever the left... Promulgate some error. Hey, get in line and shut your mouth and you better pay attention. Yep, that's true. Yeah. In October of 2005, the Vatican had told uh, Ruiz's successor, Felipe Arismendi Esquivel, the cardinal, to stop these ordinations to the permanent diaconate altogether as they seemed to establish a new form of ministry outside of the church's precepts. Then prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, 
Cardinal Arenzi, good man, informed the diocese that a decision had been made for a suspension of eventual ordinations of permanent deacons there you go. until the underlying ideological problem has been resolved. Yep. And that the concept of priestly celibacy should be strengthened. Cardinal Renzi added that the formation of more candidates for the permanent diaconate be discontinued. He saw the problem. Of course he did. He's a good man. It is indeed an injustice against these faithful Christians to encourage hope for the married priesthood without real prospects. With regard to the female part of the indigenous permanent diaconate, the official directory of the Diocese of San Cristobal de las Casas is very revealing. We're going to quote here from the official diary di directory of 1999. It's, 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 it says here, okay, mm -hmm. in, the newest, in the newest version of the directory that was approved by Rome in May of 2013. In 2007, Cardinal Lorenzi had instructed the diocese to remove the controversial passages in the directory that indicated that these permanent deacons could later become married priests. So here's what it says, quote, in the directory, quote, the indigenous deacon and his wife, yeah. in order to receive the office of the diaconate, there's the heresy right there, yep. should prepare themselves according to the tradition of their culture. Forget about the church teaches around the world. Your culture for several days, fast from food and companionship. Seek time and places for prayer and contemplation. Take into account the words of advice given to them by the wise people of the community who have long carried the life of the people and who speak to them about what God is calling them, them to at this time. Perform and participate in various rites and ceremonies of their own. Close quote. <laughs> this is a complete break with the Roman Catholic exactly. Church. Exactly. And, and Terry, it's written in the directory of this diocese. And Jesse, I just want to jump in. You can see it here in our own diocese of L.A. when they talk about the deacons couples are here. They yes. put them in the bulletin yes. as, uh, you know, like they're like they are ordained together. And this is really just a slippery slope. They're trying to pass... Uh, you know, to change ch church's teaching by action. And this is why Cardinal Renzi said, no, 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 this has to stop. And again, Jesse, Cardinal Renzi was orthodox in his teaching, and he was willing to call people out. Unfortunately, today, we don't have a lot of people in Rome that will do that. Yeah, and by changing the language, you're right. Okay, Jesse, it's clear yeah. here that the deacon's wife is considered to being close to co-ordained, yep. as is also insinuated when she lays her own hands on the hands of her husband during the ordination. Can you believe that? That's true. I've seen the video, Jesse. Yeah, this is, yeah, Terry, this is, they're, they're trying to... Oh, push it. They're trying to push it, you know how? By dissent. That's the way the left does it. But that's how they got altar girls. I'm going to go back to that even. Yeah, the, I think, yeah, the Catholic left, that's how they operate. Yes, that's how they operate. Continue, Jess. At that point, when the Vatican forcefully intervened in 2005, the diocese had around 340 married permanent deacons. Uh, and only a fourth of that number priest, mm -hmm. thereby creating a new ecclesial reality where parishes were mostly run by permanent deacons and their wives. But you see how the what they're doing, Jesse? It's very clever. Continue. This disordered situation was further encouraged when Pope Francis came That's into just power. Just a fact, Jesse, just a fact. In 2021, Cardinal Arismendi, the troublemaker, yep whose recent elevation to the cardinalate 
has been seen also as a papal encouragement for this reform project in Chiapas. Recall this first encounter with Pope Francis only a half year after his papal election. He says, in December 2013, this uh, modernist cardinal, mm -hmm. Arismendi, says, I requested a personal audience with Pope Francis to discuss, mat discuss matters in my diocese of San Cristobal de las Casas, such as liturgical translations into the indigenous languages of the place. And it's oh, but not Latin, of course. Get rid of Latin, but we want we want a Mayan language mass, okay? But not Latin, okay? Yeah. And he says, and especially the permanent the permanent diaconate for indigenous people, which according to this prelate was stopped due to inaccurate reports reaching Rome. Cardinal Arismendi, this modernist, continued. Mm -hmm. He said, the Pope received me together with my then auxiliary bishop Enrique Diaz. And listened to us very attentively and kindly with great openness. He has since told us that the permanent diaconate could be a very timely solution in indigenous communities and, and that more should be encouraged. This is recommended in the post-synodal exhortation called Querida Amazonia number 92. So Terry, the left is already working hard at doing this, but, and it started with the Amazonian city. And, and Jesse, only months after this meeting with Pope Francis, the prelate explained, we were authorized mm -hmm. to continue these ordinations. You see how what was wrong is now right. See, I, that consistency concerns me. Here is a report on these ordinations in 2014. Not only did Pope Francis encourage an indigenous permanent diaconate in which the wives were considered to be a form of co-deacon, more on this later, he also encouraged the development of an indigenous rite of the Mass. Go ahead, Jess. Well, the Pope did, Terry. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. Cardinal Arismendi wrote this year, quote, that a little over two years ago, Pope Francis gave me this book. Papa Francesco... Uh, <laughs> It, the, it's, it's called Here a Vatican News Report in the book, mm. in which the process to reach the approval of the African right, <laughs> they're working on, a, on an African right as well, uh, in, in, in the process to approve the African right of the current Democratic Republic of Congo, of the mass, is narrated, and encouraged me to follow this path of enculturation of indigenous rights in the liturgical celebration not only of the Mass, but of the entire Catholic liturgy. So here's what we have, Terry. Wow. This is the destruction of the church as we know it. Well, when, yeah, you could Get rid of the ancient Mass exactly. with the official language of the church, but start under this pontificate, and this is what he's doing, to start indigenous Indian, uh, uh, indigenous uh, rites around the world in South America and in Africa. Just remember, the way you worship is the way you believe. Just continue about the undersecretary of the... At the history of the divine worship, who is involved in the planning of this new rite, and he also encourages this process. So I, we, we it's going to be May fifth. That's the day that this is supposed to be approved. Jesse, I hope God have mercy on us. Bishop Aurelio Garcia Macias is being quoted in a recent media report as saying that the Mexican bishops have invited us to feel involved in this process, and this is to be appreciated because it is an example. Of the collaboration oh, of the church's work. Really? Give me a <laughs> he break. called the recent meeting with the Mexican bishops a personal enrichment for me 
because I believe that the local experience of San Cristobal de las Casas has discerned, has been able to study, reflect, and can be enriched with the universal experience of the Catholic Church. Now, here are the elements of the new Mayan rite of the Mass. This is going to blow you away, folks. In light of these high-ranking encouragements coming from Rome, let us now consider more deeply what is being planned in Mexico, and in some cases has already been implemented at a local level. The current bishop of of the Diocese of San Cristobal de las Casas, Bishop Rodrigo Martinez, appointed by Pope Francis, described the elements of the new rite of an indigenous Mass with Mayan elements in a March 14th interview. He recalls the new rite, the Roman rite, with three main elements of adaptation. They are the prayers led by a principal who is morally upright layman, the office of sensing mainly conducted by women, and some indigenous Thanksgiving dances as a form of prayer at the end of Mass. Are you kidding me? Yep. Well, I'll tell you, the first part's already, you see that. In the in the Novus Ordo Mass, oh, yeah. uh, the prayers led by uh, by a principal who is morally upright layman. Yeah. Uh, they yeah, they have anybody going up there these days. They're not oh, yeah. morally upright. Lot you know a lot of these people are modernists and you know contraceptive and have vasectomies. Not only that, they've gotten to second and third marriages and they're oh, still yeah. active in the parish. I met yeah. many like that, and they don't seem to be stopping them. Jess, when we come back, I want to cover more. You know, the examples of the uh, Mayan rite mass has already been practiced in certain parts of Mexico. And again, May 5th, let's pray that that doesn't happen. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We're going to be coming right back after a short break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back Terry and Jesse show. We've got Dr. Luis Sandoval on the line. Dr. Luis, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show, my friend. Hey guys, how you doing? So excited to be here. Yeah. Tell us what, what you're excited. We're excited. We got the spiritual warfare conference starting Saturday and Sunday this weekend. You're going to be there and uh, yeah, I'm glad you called in. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, this weekend spiritual warfare conference there in Pomona, I will be there Saturday and Sunday. Oh, good. You know, what's great about that conference Mm -hmm. is that sometimes, you know, obviously it's great to listen to Father Ripperger talk and Dan Schneider and, um, you know, you got Kyle there and you're getting, they're going to be giving great talk. One thing that I find really uh, amazing is how many people have questions on, well, how does the spiritual life, how does spiritual warfare, how does that affect my mental health? How does Mm -hmm. that affect me psychiatrically? Mm -hmm. And how can I tell the difference or what is it that, what is it that I'm doing? Do I need to go speak to a mental health professional? Do I need to go speak to a priest? And I always say all of the above. We should be taking care of all the different aspects, our minds, our spirits, our bodies, everything, because it's happening at the same time. So what happens a lot of times is I end up not listening to the talks. I listen to them afterwards on replay because sometimes people will just be outside wanting to chat about mental health more sure. than happy to do that. Sure. Um, yeah, so it's great. And then the show that's coming up after your show today is, is going to be my show. Um, today I'm, I specifically tailored it. Uh, to ask questions about what are some of the pitfalls that the demonic can do for us? How does that play with our mind and how to think about that? Because on our way to Christ, we got to remember the road is going to be the one less traveled. It's going to be rocky with pitfalls and we got to be careful about that. Dr. Sandoval, you just mentioned uh, how do we make those distinctions between some mental health 
or if it's in spiritual warfare to a point where there's a demonic element. And that's your expertise. For those who don't know you, you have a once a week show. I'm just telling everybody now because we've got new listeners. Dr. Sandoval does a show every uh, Thursday here on Virgin Most Powerful right after the Terry and Jesse show. And if you download the free app, go to vmpr.org. You can hear his show and all of his shows. Tell us if, in general, how do you make distinctions between mental health issues and spiritual warrior. Yeah, because that's that's a big question, doctor. You all know that. There's because there's a lot of people that just do have. They're just kind of some people just have mental illness as a result of, uh, you know, poor choices in their life. But there are some people that, as a result of uh, sinful, mortal sin and and having cavorted with uh, with the occult, they invite evil spirits into their life. But then, oftentimes, isn't it a combination of both? Uh, you have you do have mental illness in some people, but at the same time, they're also a magnet for diabolical affliction at some level because again, they're a soft target. Correct? Absolutely. You make a, you make a great point, uh, Jesse and Terry. Uh, you guys are making really really great points. That's one of, one of the things I love about your show is that you just get to the heart of it. You know, there's no no uh, beating around the bush, and it's no different. You know, with the mental health and the, and the spiritual health. My show really revolves around how do we bring our Catholic faith, how do we understand ourselves as Catholic and our Catholic faith as far as our mental health and our spiritual battle uh, being part of the church militant. And, you know, sometimes the topics are strictly on mental health. Sometimes there's a combination of both. And sometimes they're strictly on, uh, you know, uh, the spiritual warfare aspect of things. But to make that distinction, really what I tell people is if you have confusion in your life and there's something that's not clear and you're worried that you have anxiety or depression or something along those lines, but you're not sure if it's coming from the diabolical or a spiritual warfare type of origin. The first thing I ask him is, how's your spiritual life? Do you Amen. have that in order? Amen. Are you able to go to church? Let's start there. Yeah. Because have you gone to confession? Have you removed yourself from the occasion of sin? Uh, have you stopped sinning and removed yourself from the occasion of sin? These are all things that we all struggle with. But if you're worried that the diabolical is involved in your life, the first thing you got to ask yourself is, am I opening any doors to that? Mm. Have I been consulting psychics or mediums? It's very common in a lot of cultures to say, you know, I'm going to go to mass, but then afterwards I got to go talk to my psychic because they're <laughs> my life coach. And we forget that Jesus is our life coach. You know, the mass was our life coach. That's where we should be getting uh, our spiritual fill, not from horoscopes, not from <laughs> crystals. I'll tell you what, I've had some patients who, I had one patient in particular I can remember who suffered from, was diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder. Very real disorder. A lot of people will go through different stages where they go through manic phases, and it might seem like they're possessed because they're thinking grandiose thoughts about heaven or spirituality. Yeah. And we do say that that person can be perseverant, a religious perseveration. And that does happen with mental illness. Aside from having a spiritual uh, affliction, it could just happen straight with mental illness. But in this particular case, it was an interesting case. This lady had that uh, <clears throat> young gal. But one of the, and she'd been treated for bipolar disorder for a long time, was on a lot of medications, but it seemed like nothing was working. Things that should have worked were just not working. And I got to the point where I asked her how her spiritual life was and things of that nature. She was relying on crystals all the time to feel better. Makes sense. What she would tell me is that initially they felt that she felt really good. And, you know, like on a Friday, she would go buy them. Felt really good over the weekend. And then by, you know, two weeks later, she felt super down, even worse than before she got them. And I told her, you notice that you're, you're mentioning that with the spiritual world, uh, we've been trying to treat you with, for your mental health and nothing seems to work. I simply asked her, what if you just get rid of the crystals? Yeah. But because they're bringing you up and down. They're getting you up and down. What if we just get rid of the crystals and we keep focusing on your mental health? And she said, okay, I'll try that. 
this is no joke. She says she tried that on, on a on a Friday we had met, and she said, okay, I'll try that. She tried it that weekend, and by next Tuesday, she had vilified me completely, said that I was evil. Wow. Uh, started calling superiors and all stuff, and I thought, you know you know what? I woke something up there. You got that I hit right. Something, I hit a nerve. Wow. Something woke up because I hit a nerve. It, all of a sudden, in her life, I was just this evil person, and, when she re- and she requested a different doctor, and that was fine. And when I talked to the doctor, they said, I don't get it. What happened here? I said, you know, I just asked her to, to get rid of these crystals she was hyper-focused on, and then her everything went out of control. And so those are one of those cases where how are we making that distinction? I can tell you, I don't doubt she might have had some mental health issues, but, boy, she was being influenced by some dark spirits there. Makes sense. I love those Do- stories. Dr. Liz, let me ask you another question. Uh, have you heard the term targeted individual? Do you get cases of people that say, Dr., I'm a TI. I'm a targeted individual. Have you heard that in your practice? So I haven't heard the specific term targeted individual, but I have heard of a lot of people who say that they're victim souls. Yeah. If you've ever heard of that. Of course, that's a traditional. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 So targeted individuals, victim souls. Uh, I don't doubt that. I mean, a lot of people will be targeted, but then I have to ask them, why do you think you're targeted? What happened in your life? Because it's rare. You know, a lot of saints were afflicted as well. But is it because you're living such a saintly life or is it because you think you've opened yourself up to something? Are you holding on to anger? Are you holding on to unforgiveness? Are you holding on to all these things that are very juicy to the dark side? Doc, you know? you, you just, we let go of that. You got it. You, you, you just mentioned something, letting go of for, uh, the issue of, for, of, uh, of forgiveness. In other words, uh, in your practice, and I want people to listen to your show right after our show here. And again, they can go to vmpr.org and download the app. But that's a huge element of unforgiveness and how it affects us, not just mentally, but also spiritually. Can you talk a little bit about the power of forgiveness in one's life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I always say, you know, we've got to focus on Christ and we've got to focus on the positive. So first, let me so that the audience can understand what the impact of this is. When we go to a priest, we ask him for a blessing and we say, hey, can you bless me? Can you bless my car? Can you bless my home? Can you think of this blessing? Because, you know, for the for the hippie crowd, they might say, oh, that's just good vibes. But for us as Catholics, we realize there is an attachment to the blessing. Oh, yeah. You know, there is an attachment to that that's going to influence our lives, and it's going to have a domino effect in our life. Got it. The converse is true. If I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart, and if I am uh, uh, angry at somebody, that's like a curse. I can, I'm holding an internal anger towards somebody. It's like I'm cursing that person, but I'm really cursing myself in the process. Well said. You know, if I'm harboring unforgiveness, yep. why, why am I not forgiving this person? Christ forgave me of all my sins, however wretched they are. Yes. And I hate to look back at my sins, and I think, gosh, Christ is going to let all that go. How can I let go of somebody else who might have uh, offended me or something? Like in the gospel, you know, where the guy, where the, the man was forgiven of all his debts, but then he went and collected everybody else's debt. You know, Christ is telling us, what are you doing at that point? It's like, if you're forgiven, you got to let go of everything. If you hold on to that, not only is that spiritually bad, that's physically bad too. Yeah. You know, when we're praying, when we're having positive thoughts, we're going to have endorphins running through our body. Of course. Same kind of stuff that we get when we exercise, yes. when we, you know, when we go to mass, when we have good thoughts, we're going to, there's a power to positive thinking, as we say. Yeah. It's almost like the example I give people is like, imagine you just won a lottery ticket. How do you feel? You didn't even win it. That's funny. But just the thought of it makes you feel great. <laughs> right? The, the thought can, it can influence our physiology, our body, and our spirituality. The same thing's going to happen. You hold on to unforgiveness, you hold on to curses, and you hold on to wrath or things of that nature. You, you, you know, if you're really good at that, you're going to bring your body down and you're going to bring other people down with you. And that's tough because we got to remember as the communion of saints, we are affecting each other Amen. spiritually and physically. 
as we as we interact. And that's really important to remember. Well, said. hey, Dr. Sandoval, how would you uh, define psychological compatibility? That's a term used a lot by the instructors at Liber Cristo. Psychological compatibility with a demon. How do you define that? That's a really good point. And that's actually where it starts. You know what? This it ties perfectly with this topic. If you're holding unforgiveness in your heart and you're holding, uh, you know, if you're able to hold on to grudges, guess what? You're you're in the demonic psychology. That's what the, that's all hell is. Yep. Hell is just a gigantic grudge. Hell is a gigantic area of unforgiveness. There is no love in hell. One of the things that tortures the demons is that they are not capable of being loved nor giving love. Wow. It can't happen. Love only exists in heaven. So the psychological compatibility is if I am wishing ill will towards somebody else. I'm already thinking like a demon. Yep. You know, that's all demons want to do. They want to destroy. I want to destroy somebody. I don't forgive them. I'm becoming psychologically compatible. I'm on the same mental wavelength. You know, like you have a good friend and, you, and you're like, oh, we vibe all the time. In fact, we don't see each other for years and then we see each other again. It's like no time has passed. We're on the same wavelength and we really love each other. And man, we respect each other. The same thing is true with the opposite. You hold on to negativity. Whose wavelength are you on? Is that a Christ wavelength or is that a demonic wavelength? And that's where you start becoming psychologically compatible, almost to the point, too, where some people go to the extreme, where they're perfectly possessed, where they're perfectly happy being demonic. They're perfectly happy with the idea of going to hell. And that's really scary. Yeah, it that's is. where we've got to ask ourselves, where are we with our relationship wow. with Christ? What do we really want for ourselves? I think a lot of people don't understand how just an inch, you know, you give a demon just an inch, just a little bit of hatred, a little bit of unforgiveness. Oh, yeah. He's going to take up a whole space, so you got to be careful with that. Well, Doc, I want to encourage people to stay on the MP3, or the Virgin Most Powerful Radio's website. Get the app, because you're going to hear Dr. Sandoval for the next hour. And if you've liked what you just heard, you know, you're the best-kept secret on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, brother. I want people to know that you're on every week. You can binge on his shows by going to vmpr.org. Listen to him, because this is something that will help you and your family fighting off the devil. Dr. Sandoval, thanks for joining us on this last segment to talk about the Spiritual Warfare Conference. And we'll see you this weekend for everybody. You you got it, my friend. Yep. Wow, Jesse, isn't he great, though, to hit fundamentals on the spiritual warfare life? Terry, I met met him at a a, a high-level training with Father Ripperger back in Denver, Colorado. Father Ripperger was training psychiatrists and psychologists, and that's where I met him. and uh, we just struck a friendship there. And I said, hey, you got to meet my friend Terry Barber. We need something like you on our radio. <laughs> Here we do. Hey, Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? Look at your Google Maps. It says live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Become holy or die trying. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. We can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Sign me up. Every action is like a blank check. Make sure Christ's name is on it. Thanks again for joining us. I hope to see you at the Spiritual Warfare Conference. If not, get registered so you can see it by streaming. It will become yours. May God bless you and your family.